Okay, cool. I was just telling the group um, that I uh, just got some news about a friend of mine. I've known him about 12 years now. And I would call him the most, one of the most influential personal coaches I've had in, in a long, in decades. And no, he has nothing to do with NLP and or hypnosis or any of that. He was, a, he was a, a, a vocal coach. He was an opera singer, sung all over the world, the Met and in Berlin and Rome. So I'll let you know he's probably in Paris. So he, he's probably a pretty good opera singer if you sing in those venues. And he also did like Phantom of the Opera in LA and New York, um, Jesus Christ Superstar. He was one of the first guys did the real low voice. He, he was a baritone or a bass. Anyway, he was the vocal coach for a, for a play I got in uh, <clears throat> called Titanic. And like I said, when I got cast, I just, I thought it was a musical comedy. I mean, I was, I didn't know the show and which is, I always think a good thing if you don't know the show and cause then you got no preconceived notions. And then, you know, after getting there, I found out it was an opera or operetta, everything, most, everything sung, right? And so he was like helping us. And, and like I, I, I always say, I, I was always the guy after doing like 25 musicals that they would say, just kind of mouth the words <laughs> and dance. Cause I could dance really well. And um, so anyway, but he was like coaching me up and I was, I was finally starting to get it. And he was different than any other vocal coach I'd ever tried to hire over going back into my twenties when I got into trying to be an actor. Um, I've had several vocal coaches. And when, when I was at the Academy, I had a guy who won, um, a Tony award and was nominated for two Tony awards, right. As a singer. And he sort of helped me, but nothing like this guy. And what this guy did after we, I went and he said, I'll coach you up. Right. So I paid and I went in and took a couple lessons. And I said, well, you know, I kind of always thought I was uh, tone deaf. And he goes, well, I've seen you in plays. You have a beautiful speaking voice. You're, you have a, ver a, a very varied voice. Right. And he goes, I seen some of your videos, you know, for teaching this stuff. And he goes, you're active with your voice. You're doing this and that. And, uh, and I kind of, you know, and now we say, you know, singing is nothing but talking in certain rhythms and tone. Right. But I'm like, yeah, you know, so anyway, uh, we started doing some work and he said, well, here's what it is. You can't hear the notes. You're so scared. You can't hear the notes. Right. And most of the vocal teachers, they go, okay, sing this, you know, they pick a note and you try to sing it. And, you know, of course you're in a show and every, most of the people are getting it. And I'm like, yeah. So anyway, so we spent like a couple months just working on listening to tones. This kind of goes with timeline because he took me out of my fear zone in, in the time I was in. And um, I I, I, oh, somebody. Somebody die there. Uh, uh, so anyway, um, uh, uh, the I came back and I still remember this. It was the National Guild. I came back from the conference, right? And he'd been coaching me some because the, the show was in the spring. And so I'd done a few lessons here and there. And I because I was at the Guild, I think I was teaching coaching. 
you know, I always tell people that, and I did a couple posts on this, that one of the bad things, if you have some knowledge in your head, I call it the paradox of knowledge, is you don't take coaching very well. You start running it through your, well, why are they doing this? And why are they doing that? Right. And, you know, it's that paradox of knowledge. And so I came back from the guild and I decided I was going to make a serious run at this, trying to learn how to sing. And so because I was at the guild, it was a very good year. It was probably, like I said, 12 years ago. And I, a lot of people had paid me cash when I was at the guild. So I walked into his, you know, we, we had an appointment and I walk in for the coaching session. And I think I remember I slapped down like 1200 bucks, you know, in hundreds. I go, boom. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is, you know, let's do it once or twice a week till this runs out and then let me know. And I still remember he's a sweet guy. He goes, honey, I've been waiting for you to get serious about this. Right. And uh, he was also married to the, the well, not married because they didn't allow gay men to get married, but his partner who died in like early 2000s was a guy that wrote Meet Me in St. Louis and a bunch of these. So he was in that Broadway scene. Anyway, so I started taking all these voice lessons and it was a, and it was different than anything I ever did. And it was about listening uh, to the notes, you know, and, and I had to step out of what I thought I knew and step into somebody's total, total difference. And that's one of the issues we get when we have a, a, a base of knowledge, right? Most of us, we got in hypnosis because somebody hypnotized us or did an NLP technique and we fell in love. And we're like, this is so cool. And then you started uh, taking classes, seminars, reading books, now watching videos. And then you go to try to get somebody to help you out. And suddenly it doesn't work as well. It's because you're thinking, why are they doing that? Why are they doing this? I would do this. I would. It's that paradox of knowledge. And in fact, I'm going to do it. I think there's, we could talk about that. I think we will in a week or two. We'll talk about the paradox of knowledge. And you know, and how to go around it. And I just had to reach up and bite me because I was changing my workout regimen. And this all goes with timeline. Just bear with me. There's, there's a method here if you're one of my trainers. Because naturally, as you look to the future, you have to call on your past if you want to make those changes. Is it not? And the more you think about it, the more you can just relax and, and listen to these weird stories. But I signed up to, to uh, I went and found a guy again that I liked online. I, I've never met him. He's a personal trainer and I was watching his videos. I like this. So I decided to buy a, his course. It's a, a, I thought it was a 30 day course. It's a 90 day course. And I, you know, I got it and I started looking at the workouts and I had to fight my own paradox of knowledge because I've been working out my whole life. Ever since I went into basic training at the age of 18, I've always worked out in gyms or health clubs when I was in the military on base and then you know, even in the height of my addiction, I would go work out dying of a hangover, as I would say, usually, right? So I, you know, and I power lifted and, and, and body belt and, and did some competitive karate. So I had to, it was hard for me to set aside that knowledge to step out of what I know, which means I'm going into my past timeline. I'm stepping into what worked in the past, which wasn't working now. And so I like, look, I just got to do what this guy's telling me to do follow the coaching. And I know as a personal coach, especially 
I've been blessed and or cursed, depending how you look at it, ladies and gentlemen, um, with most of the people I coach uh, are hypnotists, NLPers, or psychologists. And I used to run alcohol and drug counselors, right? And so in one way, it's a blessing. It makes me work harder because I have to disguise everything that I'm doing because I know that they're sitting there. A lot of them are analyzing like, why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? You know, and so uh, I have to pull them out of their timeline, which leads us into what we're doing today, which is some more timeline techniques. It's part three, right? And again, when you get into timeline, it's very, it's a, I love it. It's, I use it a lot um, in disguised ways usually, but I'm always saying lately, it's not the will to win uh, that people need. We all wanna win, whatever we're trying to win at in a relationship, in your business life, in your personal life, weight loss, whatever it is, right? But do you have the will to do the little things you need to do to stay self-motivated when things are down, right? Do you do the things that when no one's around, it's easy to, you know, if you hire a personal trainer and you're at the gym, you'll work out when he's there or she's there, but will you do it when they're not there, right? Or you're following a good, I just had somebody call me uh, for a little thing and they're like, yeah, my wife and I were both on this diet, losing weight. And we were doing really great, you know, well, COVID, so they're not traveling like they are, you know, eating out like they used to. He goes, but now I'm back traveling a little bit for work. And I'm finding myself getting back into the bad habits. And to me, that would kind of go into that, having the desire to do it, to stay self-motivated. Because it was, it was easy probably for him when his wife was around, you know, uh, but all of a sudden it's the old like, ooh, nobody's here, right? So can you stay self-motivated? And that's what we're gonna tie into today. We're gonna give a technique to help you stay self-motivated. Yes, as weird as I talk, there is a loop in here somewhere if you're into loops. And again, if you wanna contact me, uh, nfnlp.com, uh, drwillhorton.com, which that website will be totally relaunched in the next few weeks. I'm changing um, what I do and how I do it. And um, and of course, nfnlp.com is the site for the NLP and hypnosis stuff. So let's start with asking ourselves, what can I learn new today? How can I apply this information personally and professionally? And as always, how can I enjoy this class? How can I enjoy this? All right. And again, now let's jump into timeline, right? Um, which is, it's vastly misunderstood. You know, there's a lot of false assumptions, you know, um, and, and the more we're beginning to find out about how memory actually works and how this stuff is stored in your body, uh, that it's not as simple as we thought it was. Uh, and, and to me, it's fascinating as we get more information. You know, but there's a lot of false assumptions, right? With the biggest, of course, being that we have our timeline, past, present, future, whatever it happens to be. Like maybe your past is off to the left. You know, that's very common with your future kind of, or your present right here and your future off to the right a little bit. 
uh, or your past behind you, you're kind of in the now and your future goes in front or up or maybe off, right? Uh, because our, we've been trained in our current culture uh, to use time, right? And that mainly has to do with, you know, the industrial revolution where all of a sudden it was important to be somewhere at eight o'clock or noon or whatever, whenever your shift started, right? Before that, it wasn't as important. You know, native cultures had different concepts of time. You know, they talk about this, you know, the, the, the seasons or the cycles of the sun. Um, but your brain can adapt to, to different things, right? And basically there's the two, there's through time where you see your, your past is off to one side, your present's probably right in front of you, your future goes off to the other. And it could be any combination of that or your past is behind you or to the side. You're, you're in the now and your future goes off. But it's as varied as people can be, right? And so one of the biggest assumptions, much like when we learn NLP and or now they teach it in hypnosis, when we learn visual auditory kinesthetic, your representational systems, that people go, I'm a visual or I'm an auditory, I'm a kinesthetic. No, 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 no. You use all of them, right? You use all of them. It just depends on context and maybe even the content. It will change how you're doing things, right? Uh, so what can we talk about today? So that's just some basics of timeline, right? And you can move your timeline around. There is no right, there is no wrong timeline. People were asking about, could you change timelines? Yeah, you know. And usually this is one, even when you just explain it a little bit, to a, to a client, if you're coaching or you're a hypnotist, once you explain it, it opens up the ability to change it. Much like when people learn visual auditory kinesthetic, for those that wish, you can begin to be more flexible. You're not just, you don't use visual 80% of the time or whatever it is. Once you become aware of it, you can see it, hear it, feel it, smell it, taste it, touch it, right? And it's the same with timeline. With the biggest question being, does it work for you, right? Does it work for you, right? Uh, and you can teach people to step in and out of time. And that's what we do with a lot of our techniques in hypnosis that have been around forever, even before they were starting to work with timeline. Um, I always think of weight loss. There was an, um, a script, God, this goes back probably, I don't know how old the script is, but it says, okay, so you, know, you think you're hungry, pull back and see, you know, are you really hungry? Or when you're open the refrigerator, step back and go, am I really hungry, right? And that's pulling you out of the timeline. Does that make sense to everybody? Because if you're in it and you think you're hungry or you're gonna eat and you're in the moment, it's easy. You, when you're totally, totally in the moment, you may not be thinking about any repercussions for the future, you know? Um, and so just by pulling back, right? And, and seeing things differently. So today, a couple of quick things, timeline for regression and memory, right? First of all, when you use timeline, past, present, future, it's a roadmap to do regressions a little bit differently. Uh, in the classic way, which was the affect bridge, have people step into a feeling and you anchor the feeling and let them to let that feeling drive you back into, um, it may be into an earlier memory. Um, and contrary to popular belief, uh, 
that was not Gilmore, right? And it was uh, definitely not Jerry Kine, who I love, but they didn't come up with this, you know, or Cal Banyan or any of those people. This goes back um, a long time ago. Um, Maxwell Maltz kind of talked about stepping into an a feeling and letting it ride back through, through time, right? So anyway, but it can be a roadmap to do a regression, right? Besides an affect bridge. And one of the best things you can use like timeline for is if people have, are stuck in, as hypnotists, I know this probably happened to most of us on this call, if you practiced hypnosis, you'll get a call. I lost something. Can you help me find it? And then you got a guy, ah, how do you do this? How do you do that, right? Uh, well, I forget who taught this, uh, or I would credit them. I try to credit people. And uh, he would have the people go back, and he used timeline, and to go back to before the lost thing or a memory not try to remember it, go back before. So if you think you lost it last week, you go back before it, right? And then drift them out and go into after you, after you realize you've lost it. And then go back to before and move it a little closer. And then go back to after when you began to realize it. So you're kind of going back and forth, stepping into like, okay, I remember I was at whatever it was, the doctor's office, we were doing this, we were doing that. And then, you know, then I realized three days later, I lost whatever it was, my Medicare card. I don't know. I've had people do that, right? And I'm like, uh, so, but if you go back and forth, it seems to help them gradually bring the memory back and get as, excuse me, get as specific as possible with, especially the before and after memories. What were you wearing, right? Because people automatically want to go back and try to think of where did I put it, but it's the it's the opening up the 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 neural pathways. You know what was I wearing? What was Christina wearing? Could I remember that? If we went out to eat, what did we eat? Um, who did we talk to? And then that because you don't know what the theory I think behind that is. The memory is probably in there, but it's not stored where you think it's stored. You know, have you ever lost a file in your computer and you're sure it's in one, you know, folder that you created and you do the search and it takes forever and you find out, oh, I stored it somewhere else. Right. Because I, how many of us learn from dealing with computers, you better remember where you stored the file. Correct. Don't we all do that? Where did I, where did I save that? Where did I save it? Right. Or you're like a lot of people, you don't categorize it. So you have 5,000 things in your download file. <laughs> and then you're trying to find one you know, like Word document that you need out of 5,000. And then you can't remember what you named it, right? And it's the same thing if you use, uh, you know, if, if you explain this to people uh, about memories and how your mind works, that if you know something's going on, if at all possible, you know, Put it in a place in your memory where you can remember it, right? Uh, there's a phenomenon in memory called threshold memory. I talk about that a lot, threshold memory. And here it's this. Have you ever thought about 
like I need to get something at the store. You open the refrigerator, you look in the cabinet, you know, I need to get X, Y, or Z, right? And then you go to the store. You do, you got everything but what you went there for. And then the minute you walk back in your house, you go, God damn it, I forgot the milk, right? Or you're in the bathroom getting ready and think, oh, I got to go, whatever, do something. And then when you walk into the kitchen to do it, you can't remember what you went in the room for. You're like, damn, and you begin to beat your memory out. But then when you walk back into the bathroom, you remember what it was, right? Especially if as you're walking out to go do it, you, you squirrel, you get a distraction. And then your mind can't remember it, right? It's called threshold memory. You remember, you were you thinking about something in a certain threshold, the bathroom or standing at the kitchen. You didn't think about it where you needed to do it, right? Um, like if you're putting together a, a grocery list in your mind, and you could test this, you know, uh, I should have uh, put this in more detail. But if you, let's say you got 10 items you know you need at the store, you could test your memory by, especially if you're like most of us, correct? You do you pretty much go to the same store most of the time. You know, down here in Florida, it's, it's usually Publix or Walmart. Those are the two I go. Now I'm starting to go to all of these, right? But if you always go to the same store, you pretty much know where everything is, right? They keep the milk in the back or the eggs are off to the side or, you know, where the meat is and, and the fruits over here, wherever it is, you kind of know all this, right? You you're, do that. So as you're getting your grocery list together, you imagine yourself picking up the item in that spot in the store. Or as you walk through the threshold of the store, like when the doors open, whoosh, and you're walking in, you think, okay, first I'm going to go to the right, and then I'm going to go get the fruit, then I'm going to go to the back where the, the milk is and the cheese, then I'm going to go over here, and then I'm going to go over there. And you kind of imagine it, and you place it in the threshold where you're going to do it, not just standing there thinking, you know, a list, right? And if you want to challenge yourself on that, write the list out, but don't look at it, and go to the store, and then before you check out, see if you remembered uh, much better than you usually do, right? This also explains why some stores, like Walmart's good for this, and some of the publics by us down here in Florida, uh, they'll move everything around in the damn store. You ever had that happen? You go in there like they move certain things, right? Why? So then you you ha you have to. You can't set it in your mind if you think, okay, I need to go get milk and I know they always keep the milk there and then they just flip it to the other side. Now you can't remember it. And will you throw shit in your cart as you're walking through the store, right? It's one of the reasons Walmart did this really cool thing. Uh, if you ever been to a Walmart, uh, you know how there's shit laying around all over? There's pallets and there's, you know, they're, they're constantly stocking the shelves while you're there as opposed to do everything. They do it at night, but they're kind of, it's, it looks disorganized, right? Well, God, I think it was 20 years ago or so, they got a new CEO or one of those guys, and they decided they're not going to do that. They're only going to stock at night, and they're going to keep everything clean. People like the store better 
but sales went down, right? And then they kind of backtracked it and they figured out like, so they bring out a pallet of something like, you know, chips and cookies and shit and just drop it somewhere where you had to walk around it to go in. Well, you weren't thinking maybe you were going to buy chips and cookies, but there what you had to go around it and now it's it's activated your nervous system. Does that make sense to everybody? It was brilliant. So now you go back to Walmart, shit's all over the place, right? And but their sales, of course, with COVID, but their sales were up even before this because they know uh if they put things in people's way, it, it takes them out of if they run the system I'm telling you to do, right? Anyway, so that's a couple of things about memory and how it works with your timeline, right? Uh, and again, it seems to work. And when I say it's a good roadmap to do regression, uh, the more we know now about trauma, right? Uh, it's not the memory that's, that is not key uh, it's it's how the memory was encoded, right? So you could go back, and, and this is where I argue with people act like, no, regression's all you ever need to do. You go with a high initial sensitizing event or the whatever that crap is, and they say it works every time. I go, well, first of all, anybody who makes that statement is an idiot. Nothing works every time, right? But what we, or at least I found, is it's going to work great a lot of the time and it can help you rewrite the memory but rewriting the memory may not discharge the energy that's stored in the body right so you kind of rewrite the memory and now you think you're fine and maybe you're doing a little bit better and then some other trigger sets it off and it's the energy blocks as we talk about in memory right and we've done a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of youtubes up there on on trauma and polyvagal theory. And uh, it's kind of cool with timeline. So you're, and, and I always stress your timeline can naturally change by context, right? Work, hobbies, relationship, you know, things like that. So just know that it's not always the same. So if you're gonna do what we're gonna do next, which is let's create some happy files, right? which can come in very handy if you hit those periods of, I don't wanna say necessarily depression, I don't like the term depression, but um, melancholy, that's a better word, right? Where you're like, or you can't get motivated. At the beginning, I tell you about being self-motivated, right? And, and if you need to draw on that, you know, how can you do that, right? How can you get through this current time where there might be a challenge, whether it's a physical challenge or relationship challenge or a business challenge, right? Of course, when you're in it, all you see is the, usually the challenge, right? So while things are okay, create some happy files, right? And I would say get context specific. And what I mean by that is like, Get a happy file for business. The time you closed a big deal. Uh, the time you started a new project uh, and it worked, right? Uh, it's kind of like when we talk at the beginning, we did the um, first week and then the second week, we did the advanced version of success track. This is just 
go you you go and access your happy file right so you get like eh, you know like maybe three times you've had a great success in business right and and the work you had to do to get there i always stress the work you had to do to get there right and so it's like oh great yes i started this new project or i remember the first time i went and had to give a talk at a conference i was batshit terrified you know when i gave my first nlp training at the national guild you know because names people here may not remember but george bn was sitting in that room uh martin sat in that class a lot uh elsom uh michael elner uh peter bloom all these people sat in that class. and this is my first i'm out of the gate man you know i hadn't even popped my chair yet and here i am i've got these you know these people that were excuse the crude language but there i am it's like, uh, you know, I was a little bit verklempt, as they would say. And uh, and it went great, right? Several of them became my trainers, right? Uh, so it's a happy business thing that I was trying something different, you know, and giving a talk and had a lot of fun with it, right? Um, and, and I can still remember that, right? Uh and so you could have three or four of those, whatever it is. Maybe you, you know, you started a business and it was going down a, uh, uh, the path, and maybe you shifted a little bit and things went great. Whatever it is, these are your happy times that got you through, you know. And so it, it, you just access those. So you can, if you're the next time, if you're in the melancholy or the dumps about something in business, you access those happy memories. So you can just pull on that, right? And the reason I say get very specific because your timeline might change, right? Um, and because I was doing this with someone once and they noticed when they were stuck, and this was for business, when they were stuck, they were through time. They could see the problem. You know, they could see all the future bullshit they had to go through. Does that make sense to everybody? You know, and, and, and all the blowback they were going to get, da, 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 that's all they could see, right? And it was huge. And then when they, we went back and accessed some happy times in business, they were totally in the moment. They weren't thinking about the past. They weren't thinking about the future. They were dealing with what was right in front of them, having some fun with it, right? And we just made a couple of minor tweaks like that, right? And I, because I remember they bought my four session coaching thing and we did some stuff. The first one, we did that. The second one, they never used the last two. <laughs> they were off and running you know uh, so so yeah so it, and what it was they were you know when they were in the flow they were in the moment right and the other time i work with people with weight loss physical is when they were successful they were through time okay i know i'm you know i could see where i'm at now i know where i want to go and so i got to change my diet now or my exercise to get there. So they were stepping out of it, right? And where they were stuck then was they were in the moment. That's what happens a lot at the holidays. People wonder why people gain weight at the holidays, right? You're in the moment, right? Maybe you're really in the moment enjoying being with your friends or family, right? So you're just like, you're not thinking, you're mindlessly eating because you're, you're in it, you're not thinking about it. Does that make sense, right? Or you could even be pissed off. You don't want to be around your family, but you're there and you're stuffing your mouth so you're not saying stuff, right? But either way, you're kind of, you know, you're too much into it. You're not back, 
And the person I worked with when they went into the holidays, you know, the rest of the year, they were pretty linear about their diet. They planned out their day. They knew what they were going to eat. They could easily see themselves telling people, nope, I'm not doing that. Da, 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 da. Right. And they came to me because they're like, I don't want to gain weight this holiday season. I said, well, and it just kind of, we stumbled across it and, and it worked. Right. Um, and you could create happy files for your relationship. You know, uh, you ever hit those bumps in your relationship and those of us have been married a long time, uh, usually can admit we've, you might've had some bumps in your relationships, right? Uh, you know, that's why we keep the guns in the other room. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, but yeah, so you could go back and think about good times in a relationship, maybe health. This is a good one, right? Uh, and in fact, Michael Elner did one about, he called it the healing strategy. Can you go back in time in your past and you think about a time your body healed, right? And if you're stuck now, okay, like I've got whatever, my back hurts, but I, I remember a time I broke my leg and you go back and you access that where my body healed the leg. It took a little bit of time, but this, this, and this happened. And so uh, you could bring those, those past healings into your now. Right, so you can do it for health. Um, and one I've done a few times, uh, I call it like the miracle strategy. You know, go back and you ever had time experiences where shit just worked out? It was like a miracle. You're like, what the? You met the right person, and then this happened, and that, and it wasn't planned. It was kind of a miracle, right? So maybe if you're really in the dumps or a client's in the dumps, if they can access sometimes where they've had miraculous experiences. You know, the person that they actually talked to at Starbucks ended up being a person they ended up doing business with, which took their relationship in a different direction, which it was unplanned, you know? And uh, uh, one, one guy that does business coaching, uh, this is part of his core thing is, because a lot of times businesses are stuck when the CEO or the, the guy driving the business or the lady driving the business um, has laid out maybe too rigid of a business plan, right? right. As, as I heard Dan Kennedy say once, here, you make a really good detailed business plan. That's for the bank if you're trying to get a loan. The rest of the time, it's you've got to do what's in front of you. Um, because I heard his story once where he was talking. He never thought he was going to be doing seminars and teaching, if you know who Dan Kennedy is, the, the marketing guy. And it's just like, he just thought he would end up, he had his little career planned out. He's going to become a you know vice president, president of sales for Fortune 500 company. And he ends up becoming a multi-multi-millionaire teaching sales and marketing. And he never set out to do that, right? And so maybe you have times in your life where it was kind of miraculous, kind of a miracle, right? Um, last week, we talked a little bit about when people right now seem to be stuck in what, what the term is dyschromometria, where your, your time's out of alignment, right? Uh, because maybe work's changed, family's changed, you know, talking to someone because you know, they have two kids in school 
and kids will be in school for a while. Then, then, then they shut the school down, so they're back home, and then they'll open the school up, and so it's they can't get their schedule back. So they've kind of lost their time, you know, how they do things, right? Um, and let alone, let alone what it's doing to the kids. So anyway, uh, those are some things, you know, we could do. And again, it may, one of the things it'll do is it might flip your timeline around, right? You're stuck in through time or you're stuck in end time and you go back in whatever your happy file is, you know, might change it a little bit, right? And, you know, maybe it's kind of interesting. Uh, something I've been working with lately because I've been in a funk and a melancholy thing, uh, whatever it is, feeling stuck. And because I was getting ready to teach this, this was a few days ago, I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, damn, let me go back and figure out when have I been happy in the past and got a lot of stuff done. So I went back and created a happy file for it, if you want to call it that, right? And I, I took the term happy file from an acting teacher I had. Uh, but um, so I did and I stepped into it and it took about a day and I started thinking about it. And then it's like, one day I woke up and decided to, I had the energy back. That's all I could say. It's like, yes, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, right? I'm going to blow up 80% of what I do to do something different, right? So anyway, that's, you know, and, and you know, like, um, and I've done it with, when I talk about being a good student, you know, if you're a trainer, or a coach, are you a good client? Are you a good, you know, if you're a trainer, are you a good student? Do you follow what a trainer or your teacher is telling you to do? And I told a little bit about, you know, I want to change my physical workout and 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 some things, how I'm built and some of that other stuff. So I went and found this thing. And, you know, when I got, like I said at the beginning, I got it and I started questioning it. And I'm like, wait, I went back to the last time I had some radical changes in, you know, how, how I felt and my energy level. And it's when I follow this certain routine and I actually listen to what the trainer said. Then I, when I got that happy file, right, I went, oh, okay. And then I could see that I kind of drifted away from it. I was doing what I've always done physically, you know, <clears throat> in good shape and not the shape I want. So, you know, I had to go back, get that happy file. So, you know, now I'm attacking these workouts that this uh, person gave me in a new way. So that's just it um, on, you know, you're only limited by your imagination, if you will, if you, how you use timeline. You can go back, you can do a lot of your techniques in someone's past as we did on week one, where we went back and, you know, usually in my, especially in my master class, I usually have people do the new behavior generator of taking the NLP course a year ago. So they can imagine, they go, we drift back into your past, you see yourself sitting there, and it's really easy to do at the National Guild, uh, especially if people go to the Guild regularly or any conference, right? So I, they imagine sitting through the training a year ago, leave the learnings that they just learned now, leave it in their past, and then ripple forward like you've had these skills for a year, and the class we just took was a review. 
And then any skill you've done for a year, you're probably better at, right? And so that one um, is a lot of fun to do with people. So um, that's it for this timeline part three. Uh, if you have any questions, reach out, shoot me a text uh, or, or a message or something, and we'll talk soon.